This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Binge Boys, we're talking to you now. Hi, everyone. This is Binge Boys, where we talk about streaming programs, TV, movies. If it's streaming, we might just talk about it. And sitting right across from me on the Zoom, Lon Harris. Lon, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, well, it, we might. You never know what we're going to talk about. It's a, it's a surprise even to us sometimes. Yeah, well, you know what we're going to talk about. S- streaming. Well, there's nonsense no, thrown in. We know. do throw in You really nonsense. never know. We could talk about anything. It's true. We could we, we, we could take a tangent. I'll prove it to you right now. Raspberries. What do you think? You like them? You know what? As far as berries go, I would. I, they'd be further down on the list. Blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, all ahead of raspberries for go. me. There you go. See, right there, we just ranked the berries. You didn't know that was coming. You're not going to get a berry ranking on like any other like non-berry centric podcast, but we'll go there. Yeah, right. If you're listening to a berry show, then sure, they're going to be ranking berries all the time, but not on another show. We'll just make a left turn and go super berry centric. So, um, that's and a thank you to that. Sherry's Berries for bringing you Binge Boys this week. No, I, wouldn't that be amazing? That would have been an incredible. Oh man, if if we had that Sherry's Berries promo. If we had that that Sherry's Berries money. Oh, or, you know, who else would be a good berry-centric, potentially, sponsor? Edible Arrangements. Yeah, there you go. They were like the, they're the grandfathers. They they invented the send somebody unexpected foodstuffs via the mail. I feel like that was their game. And then Sherry, she's like, she's moving in on their territory. You know what? I could talk berries with you all day long. This is just but... a berry show now. That's it. Berry boys. Berry boys. <laughs> um, how sweet it is. Hoot, hoot, lawn. Hashtag owl nation. Uh, I, thought I, almost, uh, I thought we almost got away with it. This I time. often do forget and, and leave it for the end of the show, but uh, I got to give a shout out to all my gahooligans out there. The owls of gahool are flocking to listen to the binge, boy, binge boys. I thought this fresh berry material was going to do it. I thought that was the secret. I wonder if owls enjoy eating berries, because I know they like a field mouse now and again. Yeah, I feel like they're, a meat, they're, a, they're meat eaters, the owls. I wonder if they're omnivores, not just carnivores. But uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, that's for the Audubon <laughs> uh, Society. That's, that's for our companion podcast. Yes. Anyway... Uh, hello, Owl Nation. What does it, what does it mean to be? What does it mean to be an owl? Uh, whatever you want. It, uh, there's a little owl that lives in all of our hearts. Lon, let's jump into some streaming news. Did it? 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 Streaming that's news. How you know? It's a ticker for you Zoomers. I know it's not the most up to date reference, but that's a news ticker. Uh, so Netflix. That the big news. Netflix picked up 35 Oscar nominations. They led all streamers and studios. They're the new kingpins. The top 
top uh, studio or network or platform this year. And 10 of those 35 nominations all went to one film, little movie you may have heard of, you may have loved, called Mank. Yes. Ooh, yes. I am in the tank for Mank. Let everyone out there. I, I understand that there's... I've heard from some people there have been a little bit of a barrier to entry as far as Mank goes. Here is my suggestion. Do this. Thank me later. Double feature. Citizen Kane and then Mank. And you might even want to add to that because I know uh, not everyone has seen the great Citizen Kane and think, oh, how could it be that good? And some people are averse to you know, black and white movies or whatever. Watch Citizen Kane. Maybe even do a little Wikipediaing around the uh, the stories around Citizen Kane. Then watch Mank. Oh, so satisfying! Mwah, chef's kiss. Uh, I am all for those ten nominations. Uh, Counter proposal: just just watch Citizen Kane, and then uh, one of the other wonderful films released last year that was not Mank. There was maybe maybe a maybe a more uh, entertaining and breezy uh, film. Then, I then, give, then I give a suggestion that I'm, I'm really passionate about, and then Lon spits in my eye. Lon, that's exactly yeah. I, that listen, some of us feel that Mank was jank. Where where you know? Oh, you, you uh, Manky was janky. Little little jank Mank. Little you know I, I. Wait, are you saying Mank stank? I'm not going to so so far as to say Mank stank. Yeah, but, that would uh, be like a prank. That'd yeah, be a prank if you but like you know. Eh, oh boy. You know. I don't have another good rhyme ready to go. I'm sorry. I was I mean, gonna. Uh, all right, let's get let, let's let's keep going because I got a dinner waiting for me. A steak flank. Wow, that was it. Was, see that I did. That was exactly what I didn't want to do. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna level with the people. I don't have a hilarious mank pun ready to go here. And then you were like, I'm gonna go the other way, real forced. I'm gonna go. Yes, I will bend over backwards I'm gonna into go, a yoga yeah. pretzel position in order to. In order to force European a vacation-esque roundabout on my way. Look, kids, big, uh, there you go. Big Ben Parliament, and here is the Mank rhyme. Thank you for picking that uh, up. 35 noms, that's 35. crazy. I wonder, what, I, I wonder what, what does Martin Scorsese say about those 35 noms for, the, for Netflix, that content aggregator? It's a content aggregator, it's not a movie studio. We, we were we were not very long ago talking about the Irishman and all of its Netflix uh, nominations. He's not anti Netflix. It was a little deeper than about the nature of curation. We don't have to get into it right now. Uh, some more, but a lot. It was a huge year. We should also talk about. It was a huge Oscar year for for milestones. A lot of for milestones in terms of representation. We saw a ton of landmark things happening. Tons of records being set. Uh, the producers of Judas and the Black Messiah, the very first all black team in history to score a Best Picture nomination for wow. the film. Um, the, the, one of my, uh, yeah, absolute favorites of the year. The performance is so good and just such a taut film. We talked about it here. Uh, I, w- I would not be displeased if that took home the big award. I'm talking about costumes. No, I'm talking about Best Picture. If Judas and Black Messiah took home Best Picture, I would be pleased as punch. Well, there you go. Uh, Steven Yoon uh, is the first Asian American to score a Best Actor nod in history. Is that crazy? There have been a few other Asian actors. I saw people were getting a little mixed up on this. There have been a few other Asian actors, or at least actors with age, some Asian heritage, including also this year Riz Ahmed. Uh, both of them are nominated. The first time two Asians of any nationality have been nominated for Best Actor together. But there are a few other examples, like Ben Kingsley, for example, is is part Indian 
He's been nominated for Best Actor before. But the first Asian American this year. For Minari. For Minari. Minari. I just watched Minari. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a lovely film. Uh, heartbreaking, lovely film. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to plunk down that $20. You do. You got to drop 20 there, It's not cheap. <laughs> Uh, more, we got lots more of these to go, even. Chloe Zhao, the first woman of color in history to get nominated for Best Director. And there's another milestone in the category. She and Emerald Fennell are both nominated for Best Director. The first time more than one woman has been nominated for Best Director in the same Chloe year. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Emerald Fennell for uh, Promising for Young Promising Woman. For Promising Young Woman. Uh, Viola what, what Davis. What's her first name? Emerald? Emerald. Like the, like the gem. Like the, mm-hmm. like the gem. Ah, the green gem. Uh, cut to today, St. Patrick's Day. There you go. It is. We're recording on St. Patrick's Day. And Lon, how many Guinnesses have you had so far? Uh, um, not yet, but as soon as we wrap this here cast, let's uh, let's start downing green beers. I or, drank an entire handle of Jameson. Oh wow! Well done. Uh, you know, green beer—a popular uh, you know St. Patrick's Day treat that we often think of. How come there aren't more ecto-cooler cocktails? That's a green beverage you could easily, like a vodka and ecto-cooler. But ecto-cooler is an inherently spooky drink. I would put that as a Halloween drink. I, I hear what so, you're saying. I hear uh, it's, it's ghost-themed. It's ghost-themed. Sound off in the comments. Hit me up on Twitter, at Hal Rudnick. Is ecto-cooler a Halloween or a more St. Patrick's Day-centric it's drink. It's just it is bright green. I guess mountain, there are certain varieties of Mountain Dew. That's more yellowy, I guess. Uh, no, I would say Mountain Dew's green, but... Um, it's like it's, uh, it's more pea-colored, I feel. Unless like. you're drinking Mountain Dew Code Red. Yeah, well, right. They're, they're different varieties. Obviously, Baja Blast is a separate category. We got more. We aren't even done with Oscar Milestones. Viola Davis, the most nominated actress, uh, black actress in history now. She's got four nominations as of this year. Uh, and she's also the very first black woman in history to be nominated for Best Actress twice. That's obviously for Netflix's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. And what was what was the first picture she was nominated for? Uh, I believe that would be Fences, but I will look that up just to be sure I'm giving you the correct information. August Wilson's Fences. Uh, I believe that's the correct answer, but let me let me be sure before I just mm-hmm. tell you that. Sure. Uh, wow. Okay, I, I need to look up more. <laughs> She's been nominated for a lot of awards. Uh, she has been nominated for Doubt and The Help. She won for Fences, and now this is her fourth nomination for Okay, Ma so Rainey's Doubt Black. and The Help were supporting, correct? No. Doubt was supporting. The Help was Best Actress. Fences, her, her only win to date was for Best Supporting Actress. And then she's nominated for Best Actress again for Ma Rainey's Black. See, what other shows are you going to listen to that will gum up the works Googling something in real time? That's not, I was very efficient. You then asked me four leading questions. I could have taken care of that pretty quickly. I, no, I, kudos to you. <laughs> I'm, I only stopped the show for five minutes. You then added an addendum of an additional minute. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I, I will take us on. Uh, I will take this rudderless ship in various directions. <laughs> uh, one more thing I want to mention: Apple for it, it, two its first two Oscar nominations in history this year: Best Sound for Greyhound and Best Animated Feature for Wolfwalkers. So, Let me ask you this: Congratulations to Tim Apple. If if Steve Jobs was invited to the Oscars, mm-hmm. would he wear a turtleneck? I think so. I think a turtleneck, but with a bow tie around the turtleneck part. <laughs> 
<laughs> he wore a black turtleneck. The bow, the bow tie would, it would if it can't be a black bow tie, otherwise it'd just blend in. White white bow tie. Very elegant. That's elegant. That is kind of elegant. You know? I feel, I, I feel like that. It's like, this is my look, but formal. I'm formal now. Okay. Okay. I can dig it. Juan, do you want to do you want to throw out any uh, uh, front runners or any any snubs? I mean, I think look, it's a tough year to call for a lot of reasons. I think that the main one being we don't have box office, we don't know viewership. You know, these streaming services don't let us know, so it, it's really hard to know. Well, which of these movies have people even seen? Is there a popular favorite? Is there a dark horse critical darling? That's like usually we we know more about the lay of the land. And I think this year it's a lot of movies people have watched in isolation in their homes, and we're all kind of waiting to see what everyone thinks. Having said that, I think based on what's been winning so far this award season, what seems to have the traditional momentum and heat, it feels like a Nomadland type year to me. I, I, I'm not sure about necessarily a sweep for Nomadland, but in terms of Chloe Zhao, best director, Nomadland, best picture, I feel like that's where things are probably going. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's it feels like a little bit of like the consensus pick this year, whereas there's a lot of other films that have very strong support from like a little pocket over here. I, I don't I, the one thing that the one that really surprises me. I mean, obviously, the father is a little bit of an unknown quantity. It's not out really yet. Most people haven't seen it. But the one that really surprised me is Trial of the Chicago Seven. I know Aaron Sorkin is one of those names that comes up during award season all the time. But you know, I thought the film was okay. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's got that kind of fervent, passionate fan base. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it seems like most people were kind of like, yeah, lukewarm on it. Solid. Like a solid offering. But I'm, I'm surprised to see that it's gone the distance and picked up so many nods, including Best Picture, when I felt like there were movies that people were sort of hotter on this year that like defy bloods, maybe even that uh, that, that didn't yeah. make the cut. Yeah. Cut through. But, but I, I, I but think yeah. it's got some prestige names attached to it. I mean, it's got an all star cast. It's got a it's huge got cast. Sorkin, Sorkin. So, like he's a yeah. he's a you know he's an Academy darling. They love that guy. So you know, like even Molly's Game, which was disappointing, got a few nominations. You know, like they, mm-hmm. they just like. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, the Grammys. We got another award show to talk about. They were also this week. They streamed on Paramount Plus. Yes. Uh, they aired on it CBS. counts as a streaming show. Naturally. Uh, we count what we want. Listen, there's no rules. I make it up. No rules. Just Yeah, we we, we, we talked about a, something on Twitch. The yeah, other, that's the streaming. Other hey, shut the fuck up. That counts. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, a lot of praise from a lot of critics for the show this year, which focused be, be by virtue of not being live. They couldn't do banter. They couldn't do a usual kind of award show. So it focused a lot more on these live performances. A lot of critics liked that, uh, but then it received a lot of criticism from viewers because of the sexually charged Megan the Stallion Cardi B performance of WAP. Uh, two things about that. Uh, one, uh, I, I, I was getting a lot of amusement and annoying my wife by going around singing my parody of WAP, Wet Ass Tushy. Mm. I got a wet ass tushy. Yeah, that's unpleasant. 
I can't imagine why your wife would be delighted by this bit. I mean, she laughed at first, but then when I did it like five more times, she was like, uh, get me the hell out of here. It, it and, is, uh, it's one of those things where they try to like soften it. Like they, like when the radio editor, when they're doing it on CBS, they don't say, you know, the, the, the P, the vagina word. Yes, they so uh, the radio they say it was wet and gushy. Wet and gushy or just wet and they just say wet a bunch. I, I think to me that's dirtier. Uh, like to me, it's just like just say the, just just say you know just say the actual phrase. Like gushy is gross. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> That's a little too evocative. Wet for you. and gushy is more disturbing than wet ass pussy, in my opinion. I'm 42. I you know I'm not a parent. I don't know. Your kids are going to be the p word is terrible, but the g word is fine. I'm just saying it's more it's more you know viscerally upsetting to hear them saying wet and gushy than it would be to just hear the anatomical description of what's going on with their vagina. I, I enjoyed seeing the outrage about this because I, I feel like, you know, how how long have rockers been singing uh, the veiled stuff about sex and uh, their dicks? And uh, this I, this is an anthem of, like, embracing sexuality and just enjoying life. Uh, like, um, if you want to be, if you want to have a wet ass pussy or be wet and gushy, do it all. And I, I loved uh, seeing all of the outrage over it. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a ridiculous. total giveaway that they've seized on this song, which is about two women who, you know, like dong. Like, there's nothing. It's not offensive in any way. It's pure. It's like a joke. It's like they're 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 funny sexual innuendo is what the song is. And yet, like, there's a song on the radio right now called Throat Baby. That's way more. It's it's way more. <laughs> It's it's much worse. I'm telling oh. you. And uh, fine, no mention. Not not no not a problem for them. So if you do sense on some level, it's kind of a giveaway that it's like no, it's the fact that it's ladies they don't like. Yeah, I mean, did did, did Tucker Carlson or whoever like that? Are they do they want to boycott ACDC for saying like let me put my love into you and just like kiss like i want you to be the holster for my love gun i mean like two live crew was when i was in like high school like like literally we were having these same arguments about whether this was okay and it's like the same like two live crew very similar it's like you know it's silly it's like it's it's almost impossible to get offended because it's it's so goofy it'd be like getting offended by like a naked gun movie like it's a joke they're joking yeah and it Embracing and celebrating and just destigmatizing our bodies and this stuff is going to lead to less problems than making this stuff ooh uh, taboo and uh, so uh, sacred that you're not even allowed to you know talk about it. There you go. So, so there's, the, there's, you've there's, heard there's the my hot take. you've heard the middle aged white guy take. I'm sure. I'm sure Megan and Cardi are delighted to hear that we approve. Also, I will say, uh, I, I, I'm glad that I watched a bunch of the show this weekend because I have thought this whole time that you're supposed to say Megan the Stallion because there's two. It's just Megan the Stallion. Really? She just, it's just a regular the. It, it's it's spelled like it's the. Wait, like, so what? But it's just you, the, Megan the Stallion. Where did, did you get that from the Stallion's mouth? I've heard Megan say it, but Lizzo, who gave her the award for Best New Artist, said Megan the Stallion. I was like, oh, 
Uh, Lizzo would know better than than Lon Harris. Quite possibly, quite possibly someone who's also in the hip hop community for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, that Megan responded to it. She wasn't like, who? Oh, you mean me, Megan V. Stallion? No, she just said, oh, Megan the Stallion. She's just a stallion. Uh, real quick, uh, a couple of my uh, mom's thoughts on the Grammys, because she watched it. Uh, my mom, uh, she, who's an uh, elderly uh, Jewish lady in North Jersey. What does she think of Throat Baby? Is she a fan of uh, BRS Cash? Um, I don't know if my mom fucks with Throat, with throat Baby, but I'll, I'll ask my mom if she fucks with Throat Baby. But she loved Taylor Swift's dress. Sure. Taylor Swift had Her a beautiful fla- flowery... It inspired a lot of Midsommar uh, parodies online, sure. Mm-hmm. And she enjoyed uh, Taylor Swift. She enjoyed m- most of the music, but she thought some of the outfits were a little too revealing. I think, I don't know if you uh, saw a Doja Cat's dress. Uh, it was um, s- it was split right down uh, to the navel. D- a very deep V on the a Doja Cat A very deep V. Dress. I think my mom thought that V was a little too deep, a little little too much skin. I uh, don't know what my mom quite thought of uh, Cardi and Megan, but uh, overall, she thoroughly enjoyed the Grammys. Well, there you go. Thank yeah. you, oh, uh, and Mama Rudnick. One more thought. Ringo Starr looked really good for... How old is he? he? He's getting up there. How? Here's my question to you. Uh, what? How many people do you think they went down the list before they got to Ringo? Like, because I, listen, I love Ringo. I don't mean this is a knock on Ringo. Ringo's a fucking delight and I'm a Beatles fan and I was excited to see him. But you know that Ringo's not number one on the list of music legends to close the Grammys. You know, I feel like Ringo would be like, peace and love, I'm obviously not number one. So here's my question to you. How many how many people down did they have to cross out before they got to Ringo Starr? Okay, so it's Mick Jagger. You got Paul McCartney. Yeah, obviously. I feel like, right. I feel like Mick and Paul, you're, you're, Keith maybe, Mick yes. and Paul for sure. Mm-hmm. Keith. Bob, I feel, sure. like, I feel like Bob, oh, Bob may have Dylan. gotten a call. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan for sure. Uh, hmm, who else? Uh, Stevie Nicks. Ooh, curveball. But all right, maybe it's look. Now I feel like we're talking in the same realm. Like I, I mean, feel like because st- we are in the year of uh, the skateboarding cranberry juice, I'm, dude. I'm just saying, like to me, that feels like the same. Like okay, now we're talking lateral moves. If you're talking Nicks versus Star, like now you're lateral. Some people make power moves only. I make lateral moves I, only. Right, but I feel like there is there is one category above Ringo Starr. And those those guys were like, eh, next year. We'll, we'll next Sir Elton year. John. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Is, is he higher or lateral? Oh, I feel like Sir Elton, he might be number one, honestly. Over over Paul? I bet Paul probably has done it before. I, I, it depends on how recently they, they were in that spot. But I feel like, again, that's a like, I could see either guy going in that spot. Okay, got one more for you. Slash. No, Slash is a sub Ringo. <laughs> That's like you called Ringo. He was like, I don't want to do it. You, you, you maybe tri- maybe tried Roger Waters. Maybe Neil Young got a call. Pass. Roger Daltrey. Daltrey, yeah, yeah. Right now, then, then you're like Robert no. Plant. And even then, if it's Slash, it's like, should we see if Axel also wants to come? Do we? Do we do? Yes. So anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, HBO's got a QAnon documentary coming up. It's called Q Into the Storm. And they claim the creators claim that they have identified the one individual uh, who was Q. They say it is Ron. The titular Q. 
They say Ron Watkins, who was a administrator on 8chan, he's the son of the former owner of 8chan, Jim Watkins. They're saying he is Q. He was the guy who did the original Q drops that started the QAnon conspiracy. So it's not JFK Jr. Apparently not JFK Jr. Well, I mean, this would, this would, this would be like it was not any. He Q claimed to be a very highly placed insider in the U.S. government who was very close to President Trump, which does not describe this man, Ron Watkins. So this would, if this is true, this would confirm that it's what we all made already up know. <laughs> right. Uh, essentially. Now, I haven't watched it yet, but did I guess the Q response to the South Park uh, 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 coronavirus vaccination special? which talked heavily about QAnon. Yeah, there was a subplot where Butters is investigating an obviously QAnon-inspired Yeah, so uh, they uh, apparently Q is just happy. They're taking uh, the the, the old chestnut of um, there's any press is good press. Well, sure. I mean, like the success of that movement has got to be beyond their wildest dreams. Like if you believe in something that zany in this little pocket of the Internet – and then everybody's talking about it. there's a five part HBO series about it. Like you won. Anything else is gravy. Yeah. Oh, I guess I think it was Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde that said uh, the only thing worse than uh, people talking about you is people not talking about you. What 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 uh, what streaming platform is he on? The, oh, uh, the the library streaming platform. <laughs> He's streaming at your local yes. library. Go to your local library. Download an Oscar Wilde book or play. Read- books. <laughs> F that. An ideal husband. You'll love it. Trust us, kids. Just get into it. Uh, okay, so uh, Ryan Johnson, you remember him. The director of The Last Jedi of Knives Out. Of course, the director of Brick. Uh, Brick, sure. Uh, he's making a, a throwback mystery of the week series for Peacock. It's going to be called Poker Face, uh, and it is going to star Natasha Leone. We don't know any more details about it than that. But he said, yeah, something like a throwback mystery of the week kind of show. Oh, so are we talking kind of like a murder she wrote kind of feel? Oh, like a Columbo type thing. Harry Mason. Yes, exactly. Where she, she'll, she's some sort of detective solving crimes. Lon, how come you and I haven't talked about any my TV shows? Or me, is it me TV or my TV? Me TV. There's me. I think me TV is the one that you're thinking of. Yeah. Where it's like reruns of reality shows about like Kendra Wilkinson, sure. Oh well, on top of that, they re-air Columbo and all the these. Right, yeah. You know, I will say on uh, on Peacock, you can stream the entire run of Columbo. It's all up there, and it's terrific. Highly recommended. That's one of the things that is nice about a lot of these new platforms, like. Uh, you know, obviously, they, they have a lot of the, the sort of top-tier promotional, like, new shows and flashy things. But a lot of them have deep libraries of old TV shows. Like, that was one thing I enjoyed about CBS All Access, which is now Paramount right. Plus, is it had the old, all the classic Perry Masons, the whole class. I, I bet oh, it's still Raymond there Burr. on Paramount yeah, Plus. Yeah, and one of the nice things about these shows like Columbo, and I was uh, over on MeTV, I caught a little bit of this show, uh, Mannix, the other night. They're, they're such awesome, funny time capsules in the way people dressed, the way certain like mores and things were handled, like uh, like 
uh, domestic violence or problem drinking, like things that were that would be super problematic today are just kind of brushed off. And but and they are just like just quintessential 70s or 60s fashion. So it's just fun to go back and watch them, you know, not just for the story, but just like all of the weird eye candy because they are time capsules. Yeah, it if you're uh, like if you're a movie, you know, classic movie fan too, it's also fun to go watch a lot of those little shows because of the guest stars. So the unexpected oh, people absolutely. show up all the time in Columbo. Like, oh, Leonard Nimoy is the killer in this one, or like Martin Sheen is one of yeah, the or suspects. Or a baby faced Kurt Russell. What? Right. Yeah. Like Dick Van Dyke <laughs> is in this episode. Like, what the hell? Like, uh, so that that's uh, that's a lot of fun. I, I definitely recommend doing that. Whichever one of these old, you know streaming platforms you've signed up for they all have like old tv libraries it's fun to poke around in. so one more news story before we jump into some reviews today uh will forte has a another peacock series that's been announced this one causing some controversy uh you know some nonprofits and groups have come out complaining about it it's called expiration date and the premise is will forte stars as a guy he's suicidal but his life insurance policy he can't he can't die. He has to wait a year before he kills himself. So he makes the, an appointment to kill himself. And then how do I fill this last year of my life before I, I die? And a lot of suicide prevention groups are saying, ah, it's going to give people weird, bad ideas about killing themselves. Yeah, I mean, dark subject matter for sure. Is having a suicidal character who, we don't know if he, this character is going to end up killing himself. He might meet someone who changes his outlook on life uh who knows but i mean i i feel like if i was writing that story like that's the arc like it would be weird to end that story with well time to kill myself like just the basic here of the premise it's like he's gonna decide at the end there's he's gonna find something to live for during you his know, last obviously year. obviously uh this is you know it's a real issue if if you're experiencing any uh, mental health issues. Uh, I hope uh, you have someone to talk to. There are suicide hotlines, etc. But if someone kills themselves, is it inherently? I mean, can, are you? Is it possible to take just an objective view of this and have a character who's like, "I want to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. I killed myself," and not have it come across as pro suicide, just objective and matter of fact about the existence I mean, I, of this. I, I, you know, I think context matters. I think this this conversation came up around Netflix's Thirteen Reasons Why a few years ago, which did in the they they've since I think removed some of this scene uh, where it actually showed a a teenage girl you know killing like cutting her wrists open in a bathtub. It was pretty graphic. It was definitely upsetting. I, I you know to see um, and so that sparked a lot of conversation of actually seeing someone do it. I think a lot of people felt like was probably pushing the line. But I mean, I think context really matters. And I think that you could definitely have, you know, like this is a real thing that people deal with. And so art has to deal with it. Um, and I think it's all about how you present it. And I think that these groups are probably wrong to come out about this show based only on a premise, like wait and watch it. And if it's inappropriate, then is the time to have the conversation about why it's inappropriate. But we don't really know what it's all about. He could decide five minutes into the first episode not to kill himself. It's just a premise, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, then, but that would that would be extra weird. Five minutes in. You'd feel cheated. You'd be like, look, I, I demand blood. Or. This, this guy's not allowed to. Or live. I want to, I want that, you know, that 
will they, won't they kind of uh, <laughs> Uh, what if it, here's a twist what if you get through the whole show and then in the end you find out he killed himself in the beginning and this has just been him he's bleeding out and we're seeing what he's thinking you could do one of those like a jacob's ladder oh situation. then uh i'll i'll have to be like you got me peacock you got me <laughs> Well done, Mr. Cock. You win this All round. All right. We'll see if you can do it. Uh, Will Forte uh, coming, uh, uh, coming hard with the bleak shows, huh? Well, he is, and he isn't, because he's, he's doing this for Peacock. He will be on another Peacock show, a little bit less bleak, called McGruber. Oh, true, true. Wow, he's all Peacock all the time. But I'm not- Yes, he's, 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 he's solidifying his relationship with Mr. Cox's yes, platform. He loves the cop. Fred Peacock started this company in 1923. Obviously, I'm thinking about uh, Last Man on Earth. That was funny, though. They're, they're always, it's always, it's always bitterness mixed with, with humor with Forte, you know? It's always, it's always dark, but then also light. Humor and pathos. Right. Two great tastes that take, taste great together. Yeah. You're a comedy expert. You know how this works. Certainly, certainly, Lon. Lon, we watched some stuff this week. Coming up, we're going to talk about Biggie. I got a story to tell. We'll see if it hypnotized us. Biggie, I got a story to tell, dropped on Netflix within the past couple of weeks. And... I thought this was a a, a lovely telling uh, and uh, look back at one of the great rappers uh, of our lifetimes. Uh, where, any any where, where do you stand on this? Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's 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 an authorized you know biography. It, 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 like Diddy's involved; he produced it. Uh, Biggie's mother is in the film and produced it. I was actually amazed to see his grandmother is interviewed. His ninety six year old. Jamaican grandmother was interviewed for the film. Um, so, you, you know, that always comes with pluses and minuses. The plus is you get access to this incredible archive of footage that that his friends were yeah, shooting his, in the moment. One of his childhood friends that became a part of his uh, touring crew, Damien D-Rock Butler, just he kept the video uh, camera rolling behind the scenes on stage. So you're getting like this really uh, cool, weird on stage perspective of Biggie. And I, the I crowd. mean, the, the, you really feel like you're getting access to, it's like watching home movies of a good friend who grew up with Biggie is what it really feels like. And, and so on that level, I really appreciated it. And you wouldn't, that wouldn't be possible to have that level of intimate access. If you were doing a more thorough warts and all kind of retelling having said that this really did I, I, i'll tell you what this did I, I enjoyed this very much but i do feel like it kind of wet my appetite for like somebody to make the like eight part real story and do because we were glossing over i mean a lot of this is because of the access that they had to his home movies and his family and his childhood friends that's really where all the focus is it's a lot of him growing up his neighborhood people who had a big influence on him when he was young, how he learned about music and got into rapping, the, the you know, balancing music and drugs and his life on the street. And then it almost, but there's like 15 minutes left, even by the time he like gets an album out there and becomes 
famous. We really kind of gloss over Absolutely. all that Absolutely. I, by the end, I was like, wait, how many parts is this? Because they had barely gotten to that. So it, it, it feels like an incomplete version of the dude's life. I mean, Faith Evans is in the film, but like you're, you're 10 minutes from the end. And then she's talking about how she met Biggie and they got married. It's like, hey, that's a huge part of the story. So, um, you know, I, I think there's 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 good and bad. Having said that, I, I really like, you know, it's 100 minutes that went by very quickly. It's fun to see all of this footage and him sort of developing his sound and cadence and the music coming together and to hear these kinds of stories of him growing up. So I enjoyed it on that. Level. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We didn't get like as we didn't get an in-depth look at the rivalry with Tupac. No, it's ma- all that stuff is massively glossed over. It's just like right at the end, like, oh, and he was friends with Tupac and then they had a falling out. And like, we really don't get any more. All of a sudden Tupac is screaming about him on camera. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot that uh, you would want to see more of. You would want to see the in-depth deep dive. But that aside, yes, it is a, a basically a glorification, a puff piece from Puff Daddy. But I, I, right here with Lon, I really did enjoy it. Just his, like, his mom is such a delight. And her, I don't know if you remember the reaction when, like, the name uh, Puff Daddy was first brought up. Like, that was worth the price of admission alone, even though there was no price of admission. It's on Netflix. So. And, it, you know, it humanized Biggie in a way because he's obviously one of the most like ferocious, amazing rappers uh, to ever hold a microphone. But just it reminds you like how tragic it was because he was 24 years old when he was gunned down uh, in Los Angeles. And I don't know if you had this reaction or you saw this at all, just seeing him in these behind-the-scenes footage, the dude was cherubic. Like, he had this just young, angelic face. Like, And it was like, he was just a baby. He was just getting started. And Yeah, he's, he was 24. Yeah, and, and it's shocking to see. Like, Because yeah, even I, like, I knew he was young, but I think of him as being older than 24. Because he, he had such a looming presence. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, I mean, his rhymes, like, he was uh, just a beast. Like, uh, again, like, what, maybe the greatest New York rapper of all time, maybe the greatest of all time. Oh, my God. Nasty Nas sharpening his knives right now. A blazing diss track coming uh-oh, your way, uh-oh. sir. I mean, nah, and, you know, Jay Z is a case to be made as well. But. No, wait, hang on. Wait, you're stopping there? What, KRS One, the Wu Tang Clan? What, I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, the, I mean, the. the this is you've you've really thrown the gauntlet down. I mean, I'm not. It's a it's a popular choice, but there, there's a lot of legendary New York MCs. I mean, they started this whole Absolutely thing. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, but he, he, all the Rakim fans out there, furious. Right now. Um, but I, I think that this really unlocks what, what. Not only is he one of the best ever, but just. I mean, he was he was a sweet kid. Uh, I mean, uh, you know. Besides uh, so much else we know about him, it was just like gone way too soon. He was a guy that loved his mom, loved his grandma. And uh, yeah, it shows that side. But we don't get to see the other sides. We don't get to see, uh, you know, 
I'm not yeah. listen. I, I didn't expect. I knew that it was like it, it, when you see Sean Combs's name as a producer, you know you're not going to get a movie that's like, you know, Big was a monster. Like you know what you're getting, and I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying like you know you're going to get the the nicest version of the story, and I I expected that. I was just surprised. Like it it feels like we really rushed through a lot of the life, and we're really just here. Like it almost would make sense to not even do that stuff and just really tell the story of like his coming of age, which really feels like the heart. That's the heart of this version of the story. It's really the the teenage years, him finding his voice, him discovering his love of music, him deciding who he wants to be and what he wants to do with his life. That's much more of the focus than the like influence he had on rap or the right. later years or whatever. Yeah, and just some amazing moments of like when he first started rap battling on uh like like on on the street where like you know on Fulton Street nicely done lawn and uh in Bed-Stuy very good and uh just how uh how Puffy came to be connected with him so there's really some fascinating stuff about his rise and uh definitely worth checking out Biggie I got a story to tell on Netflix yeah you know Light up a fat blunt, uh, watch the watch the doc, and then listen to Life After Death, uh, a an amazing album, double album. Or Ready to Die, either one. There you go. Ready to Die, my favorite. Oh yeah. Coming up, we're going to talk about the head on HBO Max. Lon, you and I both watched at least some of The Head on HBO Max, which... I've seen the oh, whole thing. Uh, well... I know how no it ends. I'm not going to No spoil spoilers, it. because I've, I've only watched three, but I'm, I'm, I'm really digging it, and this is a show... You're hooked. Yeah, I'm definitely going to finish. And, you know, shades of The Thing, shades of Ridley Scott's classic space horror film, Alien, R.I.P. Yafet Koto, who we lost this week, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, what I've seen, and it's it's one of these uh, thrillers that really keeps you guessing. Like, I don't know if what we're dealing with is human, supernatural. There's a murder that happens on an, at an ice station in Antarctica, and it is shrouded in mystery. Yeah, it's a, it's an international series. I thought it was interesting. It's in English. International cast, Spanish, uh, the people who made it are from Spain. Um, but, uh, yeah, like uh, an interesting sort of take on the, you know, like uh, mystery where they're in a claustrophobic enclosed space. It's sort of it's got a whodunit, but you're jumping around in time, which kind of gives it a an interesting twist. There's a winter crew and then a summer crew at this Antarctic station. Uh, the winter crew is there alone. It's like a skeleton crew for the hard to access winter months in the South Pole. And then when the summer crew arrives, almost everyone is dead. There are a few survivors. Uh, and then it becomes this mystery of well, what happened to the winter crew. Uh, you know, like why, why, why are they all dead? And why can't we get clear answers out of these people? And it does, it takes a lot of interesting twists and turns along the way. I, I kind of felt like it could have been paced up a little bit. I, I feel like it's six episodes and I feel like you maybe could have done this story in five there, there is a little bit of like roundabout sort of back and forth. Um, but having said that, it, it definitely builds tension really well. It is 
creepy and intense. And I can say now that I've finished it, uh, you know, it, it, it has some fun tricks up its sleeve. It's not necessarily going where you think. Gotcha. Yeah. And one thing, I mean, it's definitely, there's a, a really nice homage to the thing in the first episode, uh, the classic. Right. The, the winter crew starts their annual stay by watching John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, but that being said, it does echo a little bit more of Alien, and it's a lot more uh, claustrophobic than The Thing, and it also br- invokes the the fact that you're so isolated and you're fighting the elements. Whereas the thing, it's a lot more action packed. The thing is like the, just the monsters. Yeah. And well, I think what I like about the comparison to alien specifically is, um, you know, it's, it's obviously very sci-fi in terms of they're in space and it's an alien, but it's also very relatable in that blue collar. It's like a workplace movie in the beginning. They're really, it's just about this crew it's not Star Trek, you know, it's not sleek and futuristic. It's like they're regular working people like you'd see in your day-to-day life. There's just their job. Their rig happens to be a spaceship. And I've always really liked that about Alien. I feel like it really humanizes the movie and gives it a really, like, specific sense of place. And this does a good job of that, too, where it feels like they're scientists, they're at this remote lab, but it doesn't feel like all oh, high-tech and remote. It just feels like they're they're a crew of regular people and they're in this bizarre working situation yeah, got, that they've got to sort of manage. Yeah, you've got a cook, you've got scientists, you've got a medic, you've got the satellite guy. So it's like all these specialists. It's basically like living in a dorm. You just can't really go outside or you'll die. Yeah. And uh, so it is relatable and very human and the human relationships and the foibles of, you know, what you're going to go through as you isolate for that long in six months of total darkness. And uh, yeah, it absolutely just hits that alien note, which uh, uh, on multiple levels, as you're saying. And I I noticed that, yeah, it was from, it was was made in Spain or Spanish produced. And uh, I just noticed that and 30 Coins, also uh, Spanish-produced. HBO Max is really coming hard with these Spanish-produced uh, shows that are really, Well, really a lot. Uh, Spain is, you know, massively booming during the streaming era. And uh, it's interesting. There's a good reason why. is because they have their own native Spanish audience in Spain to watch all of this content, which is a large audience. But... Just like American content that's in English, you could send all over the world because people speak English in a lot of countries. People speak Spanish in a lot of countries. So content that's produced in Spain, you could very easily repackage for Latin America, South America, for the United States, because we have millions of Spanish speakers. So Spain's really been benefiting from the fact that that language has spread so far around the world because you could take these Spanish shows and they easily become it's in Mexico or it's in Colombia or it's in you know, Argentina or whatever, the, all, all these other huge markets. Not, not in this case, in the case of something like 30 coins, for sure. In the case of this, it's made in English specifically to send to Australia, the UK, Canada, America. Right. But yeah, some great content coming out of Europe on HBO Max, because uh, these are like, er, here's the thing. You and I are watching a lot of stuff. You probably more than I, because you're, uh, you do the newsletter and uh, you are a voracious viewer. But not every show that I start do I want to finish. 
I will often watch several episodes and be like, oh, yeah. you know what? No, me too. I, can, uh, I, I dive into a lot of stuff. And after I, I usually give it till episode three. I try to give everything at least until episode three. Totally. Because I feel like sometimes it takes a little while to get going. But, but yeah, like I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, Queen Latifah's The Equalizer. I've cut it. I've cut it from my rotation after episode. Oh, three. there you there you go. There you go. Um, I mean, lo- long live the queen, but uh, sorry. It's no knock on Ms. Latifah, who's a delight. I just, you know, I, I, I got a lot of shows on my plate. I got I to gotta trim. I honestly, I might cut CBS's Clarice as well. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's on the bubble mm-hmm. right now. Oh, damn, that extended uh, Silence of the Lambs universe. But I like the Hannibal version. <laughs> yeah, the, but, the, the, but 30 coins... And then this show, I mean, two recent shows that where I'm like, damn, I, I got to finish this. I also felt the same way about, I know you were a little more lukewarm on this, but uh, It's a Sin, also HBO Max, and I think it's HBO Europe. That's a UK. That's a, that's a British, British series. Uh, but yeah, also Europe, but not in the EU. Sure. Not in the EU anymore. There is, uh, next week, we've got another big Spanish series I was actually going to suggest to you. From the creators of Money Heist, which is the international hit, also a Spanish right. series. Right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's La Casa del Papel is the original title. Uh, the creators of that have a new one called Sky Rojo that is about uh, three sex workers who leave their pimp and go on the run, and then their pimp sends henchmen after them. Ooh. That's coming to Netflix next week. That sounds good. I wrote that down, Lon. Let's look out for that. Uh, maybe a sneak, Red sky, sky maybe a sneak peek to what we might be talking about. We'll talk about uh, Oh, I'm going to watch that. So The Head on HBO Max, it's a, it's a, it's a thriller on the frozen tundra. And uh, yeah, absolutely uh, worth checking out. And yeah, it's, and uh, yeah, twists and turns. It'll keep you guessing. <laughs> It's like right. It's like a it's like a beach read mystery novel, but cold. It's like a it's like an yeah, it's like an Arctic beach read. There you go. It's like an Arctic beach read. Put that on the poster, Lon. You and I also watched uh, something a little bit more lighthearted than the uh, the Biggie Doc and uh, Head on HBO only kind of <laughs> only kind of. Uh, Waffles and Mochi on Netflix, which is the uh, show, uh, I think, uh, one of the the headlines here. It's produced by Barack and Michelle Obama, and it's... uh, And co-stars Mrs. Obama. Yes, uh, co-stars Mrs. Obama. As a supermarket owner. supermarket owner, Mm mm-hmm. As a cold, calculating capitalist. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to jump right in. So this show is about two puppets, and when we meet them, they are... Like at they're in an igloo, they're at the North Pole, I think, and they're only eating. They only have ice cubes to eat, and they're but they love Julia Child. They love TV cooking, and they want they dream of being chefs. And they 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 manage to get themselves to the big city, and they find this gleaming bright supermarket, and they go upstairs to the garden where the owner of the supermarket, Michelle Obama, is working, and they're like. We love food and want to learn how to be chefs, and we've only ever had ice cubes. And she's like, "Okay, I'm going to give you a job now. Get to work. Put these put these tomatoes away. Here's your job." It's like, wait, 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 wait. They they did not ask you for a job, Mrs. Obama. They they were hungry. These are basically children. They've only had ice cubes. 
They're showing up like, hey, you have food. And she's like, oh, okay, you're hired. Get to work. What, what kind of a kind of a world is this? Well, I, I mean, she wants to teach them a valuable lesson. I mean, get to work. This, this is a child who's covered in frozen waffles. Get to work because we're not going to have you hanging on the teat of the welfare state, says Mrs. Obama. Yeah, it honestly, it feels like this and it's it's fucking weird folks like this this real i was all expected to be swept up in a fanciful world of puppetry and healthy eating and this is like a late capitalist nightmare like get this child a blanket she's waffles is freezing and she's like no get to work and it's only they only get to go on a magical adventure to discover uh how to use tomatoes it's like by accident like they wander into the magic shopping cart who whisks them off on an adventure Michelle Obama did not tell them to go on an adventure. She told them to get to work. Ron, you, I mean, you, you are seeing a different show than I did because I saw. They got adult. to the supermarket and everybody immediately is like, you need a job. And then they're like, they're like dancing around like we all have jobs. Like, what the what the fuck? I mean, people, people need jobs. Listen, I'm not saying people don't need jobs. I'm saying even anthropomorphized food needs jobs. This show is supposed to be a fanciful show about nutrition and learning about food. Why is it suddenly just like, get a fucking job, you deadbeat? Like, that's what this show felt like. It felt like a bunch of colorful puppets being like, the only thing you're good for in this world is like to get a job. Like, the, you're welcome to the city. Your first job is to get a These job. These puppets came to Michelle Obama and they were like, wow, I want to be around all this food. And what is she going to say? Okay, you can just loiter in my store. Peep, loitering. How about, oh, welcome to my store. Here's an apple. What do you want to know about? Like, there, there's no, there's no level of this relationship that is not you work for me now. Get to work, do a good job. They wanted to be around. They wanted to be around the food. So if you want to be around the food and in my supermarket twenty four seven, you're gonna either work there or loiter. And loitering is a non-starter. Uh, will you listen to yourself? Sure. Oh, you want food. If you want to be around food, get to work. Is this the lesson you think we should teach children with our entertainment? I mean, if you want something, work for How it. How about if somebody's hungry, eh, give them a little food. If you've got some, isn't that isn't that a nice lesson? No? So do you want it to be the handout show? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I'm a puppet. I only have ice cubes to eat. I don't know. Maybe somebody should help that puppet. I feel like none of the Sesame Street puppets, if even if Oscar the Grouch was like, I'm really hungry. The, these weird creatures, Waffles and Mochi, they subsisted for years on ice cubes. Has Cookie Monster worked a day in his goddamn life? Guy's eating cookies 24-7 free. Mr. Hooper's just handing them out. Well, maybe Mr. Hooper has more disposable income. Well, okay, Mr. Hooper's long dead, but the whoever runs Mr. Hooper's store now. You know, <laughs> I don't listen. Know. I don't know. I'm a very old man. I don't know who runs Mr. Hooper's store. Who knows? Maybe the cookie monster is like giving uh, hand jobs under the table to Mr. Hooper for the cookies. You're trying to distract me from the core issue, which is that Waffles and Mochi is like insidious capitalist propaganda. And it kind of, it honestly made me sick. It really, it really did. Like, I was really grossed out by this aspect of it to the point that I couldn't even enjoy the like, 
Jose Andres teach you how to make gazpacho part. I was like, Jose Andres, save these puppets. Don't let them go back to this to this this horrible woman. Okay, so here's another thing that you're overlooking, Lon. First off, waffles. Literally, he says that his father was a waffle and his mother was a yeti. So it's true. A waffle fucked a yeti. Yeah. Well, I let's a yeti fucked a waffle. He said, "Okay, uh, like, okay I don't." They, you're you're weirdly reversing the power dynamic in this scenario. Okay, I mean, I don't. They they fucked each other. When a yeti is in the mood, what does a waffle have to say? It, it, it it's not up to the waffle. Okay, well, if the waffle was a the, his father, a, a waffle penetrated and impregnated a yeti, and a yeti gave birth. I don't think we fully understand the mechanics of this, but suffice it to say. Some sort of sexual congress. I understand it. I've played the scenario. I've I've played that scenario over and over again in my head. There was an abominable snowman waffle. I've I've played it over and over again in my head, and in, crack, <laughs> and in fact, I've made sketches and little uh, drawings that uh, I've never in my entire life seen a show for children where a child coded puppet enters the world of adults and immediately is instructed by multiple individuals over the course of the entire half hour that their only value is to go get a menial job. Go go do this. Go, And it's not even a, a thoughtful job. It's not even like a creative job. It's literally, here's a, here's a heavy bag of stuff. Take it over there. I mean, M- Michelle Obama was giving them the chance to learn about food. No. Honestly, that they they learn about food. That's the that's the sentient shopping cart taking it entirely upon herself to educate them. Michelle Obama's like, pick this up and take it over there. There's a no learning required. And then at the end, they show up and they're like, we learned all of this. We had this great idea. And she's like, "Ugh, all right, waffles and mochi. You can get a you get a badge. It's like, where's where's the paycheck? There's no. There's no, they get put to work. There's not even talk about money. Is there a union at Mrs. Obama's supermarket I don't, now? I don't know if it's unionized. I would. Th- are they even being paid? There's no mention. Wait, how are they? Is there direct deposit? Are they going to get cut a paycheck? Nothing. There's no, there's no safety. There's no orientation. I mean, I didn't fill out a W-9. That's true. Nobody's wearing a mask in this supermarket. So, I mean, hopefully this was shot pre-pandemic. Well, here's the thing. It's no one's wearing a mask, but it's like all puppets. It's I mean, Mrs. Obama's not a puppet. True, but she's got droplets. This this also took place in a in a city that was made out of paint and cardboard and stuff. So, it, maybe this was like, a world. Listen. I mean, droplets can stick on cardboard. That's all I'll say. I mean, we might have been in a in a fictional realm. Wipe your wipe your mail down, folks. This thing isn't over. Well, I thought, here's the thing. It's a kid's show. I see what Lon is saying, but I thought it was a fun, silly show that taught me something. I learned a little bit about where salt comes from in the second episode. Mm, yes, yes. That every episode is a different. So episode one is tomatoes. Episode two is salt. We go through a lot of different. There's a, there's a corn episode coming up later. You know. From, uh, you know, I will veer away from Lon's uh, Fox News talking points for a moment 
and say that. No, that- I'm saying the show is Fox News talking points. I'm I'm Air America. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, Janine Garofalo. But <laughs> yeah. the, uh, back when Michelle Obama was talking about making school lunches healthier. It's it's definitely a continuation of that, a continuation of her White House garden and that whole line of thinking. And I, yeah, I, but with I, this weird, insidious, like get to like child labor angle. You know, I, I feel like you're, okay, first off, we don't know that Waffles is a child. I think Waffles is, is, a, is a full grown, half Waffle, half Yeti. You think Waffles is an adult? Yes. Mochi, now... Then how come Waffles doesn't know anything about anything? Because he's a dipshit that's lived in this uh, isolated world of of only Julia Child in the North Pole. So, so you think... So you think Mrs. Obama is taking advantage of someone who does an adult who doesn't know anybody? He he might be have uh, he might have a uh, limited learning. Are you saying Waffles has special needs? I don't I don't think he's special needs. He's just he's kind of like Nell. He's kind of like Nell. <laughs> like Jodie Foster played this character who this lived in the This makes it worse. Well, Anyway, I think Lon. She should be Waffles' mentor, not his employer. I think this show, as opposed to Lon, I think this show is a good heart of showing some cool multicultural foods, where they come from, encouraging healthy Here's eating. Here's what I'm saying. Michelle Obama, I think it's incumbent on you to come on Binge Boys and debate Waffles and Mochi with me. Okay. I, that's where I'm going to leave this. I'm in the Steven Crowder pose holding a mug and I have a sign that says waffles and mochi is insidious late capitalist propaganda. Prove me wrong. <laughs> change my mind. Excuse me. It says change my mind. And uh, I, I feel like uh, Lon has really narrowed this down to one detail, one tiny detail in the show. It was, it was, it is not. Listen, I, I get it. I, I understand. I'm, I'm planning it up for laughs a little bit, but. I thought this at first and I was like, okay, but it, it's just going to be one beat. Like when, when Waffles and Mochi first get to the supermarket in the first episode and the first, they meet like an end cap and they meet a broom and they meet the intercom. Everything in, in Michelle Obama's supermarket is, is, has sentience. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes. Anthropomorphized stuff everywhere. All of them are like immediately insistent that Waffles and Mochi need to work there and they all have jobs and they love doing their jobs and they, they're, they're so excited about it. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, well, this is a weird beat, but I'm sure this will be the only beat like this. And then they go, seriously, meet Mrs. Obama. And it's this whole long thing about like, well, I'm going to give you a job and you work for me now and here's your first job. And I was like, well, that's also weird. And then the entire show, Waffles is like stressed out. Like there's anxiety about getting their job done. Like we got to find out where these fucking tomatoes go. Like, but well, but pulling her fur out or his fur out. I don't. I wasn't sure about gender. You were like Waffles is a he. I I I felt like Waffles purposefully sort of came down somewhere on the non the non binary. Yeah, I think I think Waffles could be. Yeah, maybe Waffles could be a they. Uh, a they. Yeah. I, I think Waffles mm-hmm. is a they. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, like like they're clearly stressed out throughout this whole episode about doing this job and it's like you're, you're not even getting paid like you don't you don't owe this woman anything you just wandered into her store it's a consistent thing that runs through the entire it runs through both of the episodes that i watched 
Well, maybe in the same way that uh, Will Forte's new series might not end with him killing himself. He might find an alternative. Maybe this series will end with Waffles and Mochi's uh, bringing some kind of lawsuit about workplace violations. I want a Spike Lee puppet to throw a trash can through the window the right of thing Mrs. Style. Obama's store at the last episode. Uh, well, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it's it, it encourages <laughs> uh, good eating habits. My favorite... The best thing that's happened on this podcast in weeks is you trying to get out of this and wrap this segment up. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Listen, he's going to say what he's going to say, but I enjoyed Waffles and Mochi. I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I, it still stands. They wanted to learn about food. I'm not going to let you loiter in my store. If you want to hang out and learn about all the food in my store, you're going to have to work Terrible. here. So, Lon, how long have you been pro-loitering? And what are some of your lo- what are some of your loitering <laughs> uh, listen, experiences? Listen, Loi- like you sound like a landlord. I mean, this is really gross loitering. They're they're they're, they're starving, and they they just found this store. They don't even know where they are. Like like they need help. They're they're there for help, and this woman does not help them. She exploits them immediately. They could have stayed Her first thought is exploitation. The moment she spots these two. She's like, oh, I can get work out of these. No, her first thought was, oh, I can help you. Here's a solution. If you want to work here. Here's a job. Yeah. You're you're giving the game away. I feel like it's not even a debate at this point. Like, 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 like okay, Andrew Carnegie. Like, or whatever. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a children's show. She should be offering them a blanket. And a, and a, and a shoulder to, to like a, a patient ear and some advice. Coming at them with 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 jobs and with unpaid with unpaid internships. We we don't know that. I don't. Does waffles Does waffles have a social security? We number? only. I mean, maybe they're getting paid under the table. I don't even believe waffles and mochi are from America. How is it even legal for her to be employing them? Okay, do you want to call ICE now? That's what they're eating for breakfast and lunch. That's why I think she should give them an Boom. apple. Waffles and Mochi, it's a kid's show that teaches some valuable lessons about uh, food. Including, like, go to fucking work. Your only value is what you earn. Eating healthily. Uh, Some uh, really cool uh, cultural uh, explorations. In the second episode, we go to Peru, Japan. And uh, also, it's uh, the late stages of capitalism holding on with a cold death grip. Yeah, you know, fabulous trips to San Francisco, debtor's prison, all over the map. It's a delight. Listen, don't get sick in America. (laughs) Piece of advice. Like Ebenezer Scrooge produced a kid's show. Waffles and Mochi on Netflix. Lon, uh, those are the shows that we watched. I want to say hoot hoot to all the owls out there. I want to thank Starburns. I want to thank Adam Macias, who is producing our show with great aplomb. Thank you, Adam. Jason K for the sweet licks that just rock our socks off opening the show. And Lon, tell folks where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. Uh, also, I do a newsletter about uh, all of this kind of stuff. Not not such fiery takes on waffles and mochi, but streaming news. It's a good way to keep up with what's going on in the world of streaming. That's at inside.com slash streaming. And you can find me, Hal Rudnick, at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram, where I'll talk about stuff like a Yeti having sex with a waffle and what that might look like. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Waffles and mochi and workouts. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.